Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. And we're back. Welcome, everybody. You know, Brian, we've had a lot of great guests on this show. I mean, just recently, we had uh, Michael Westmore, the king of Hollywood makeup. We've had uh, members of the Star Trek family. We've had... Um, Star Trek authors. Star Trek authors. We had the director of uh, Galaxy Quest, for God's sakes. We had Paul Feig in this very chair. We did. You know, I, I watched Ghostbusters on the plane recently again. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a good movie. I still haven't seen it. I, I do mean... I've been meaning to go watch you, it. You, Paul, you looked Paul Feig in the eye and said, nice to meet you, sir, and you haven't seen Ghostbusters? Uh, yes. Oh, my God. At well, that anyway. point, I hadn't seen it. I, 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 I don't have much time to go to the theater anymore. Oh, my... If I, you know what I say to you? I say... Final weapons. I, it's a firing weapon to you. <laughs> All right. Well, most importantly, this show would mean nothing if it weren't for the fans. Now, if you remember a few months ago... We had Ira Stephen Bear, who is the uh, Orson Welles of Deep Space Nine, and um, uh, Adam Nimoy on the show. They were crowdfunding their documentary, What We Left Behind. What We Leave Behind. What is the show called? What was it? What We Left Behind. What We Left Behind. Right. Um, their, their documentary about Deep Space Nine, which has been, it was a rousing success in the crowdsourcing business. They broke all the, all the rules for Indiegogo. And part of it was, I opened my big mouth during that, and I said, um, I said, hey, you know, anything I can do to help? And then they said, yeah, why don't you auction off being a guest on the show? And I said, sure. <laughs> uh, but it worked out great, because now we're going to talk to three guests who bid. There were only three, um, you, got, you, got, you got a chance to be on the show, plus some other stuff. We're going to find out what it is. And there was only three of them, and I don't know what the price point was. I'm hoping it wasn't too much, but whatever they gave, they gave what they felt was right. And now the time has come. So we're going to speak to three individuals, one of whom is named Jonathan Q. And that's really his name, Jonathan Q. It is. And, and his entry to uh, his first Star Trek meeting is very interesting as well. Yeah, we're going to hear all about that. And we're also going to speak to Jonathan Spencer. And we're going to speak to Patrick. Patrick. What is Patrick's last name? Patrick Brickley. Patrick Brickley. Awesome. So uh, this is an op- this is a, a different type of episode. Not about me, for once. And it's not about bringing in somebody from up on high. It's about getting down to the grassroots and meeting the fans and, and, and listening to yourselves. So maybe you'll feel a little bit of yourself when you hear Jonathan, Jonathan or Patrick speak. Maybe you'll recognize 
uh, some of yourself. And if you don't, that's okay too, because fandom is a wide spectrum. And when there's a no, when the when the Voyager documentary is crowdsourcing years from now, you can donate to that, and uh, you can hear yourself on that. So, but before we kick it over to those interviews with Jonathan, Jonathan, and Patrick, which were done individually, they're all scattered about these United States. I want to talk to you very quickly about something that's pretty exciting, and that thing is space. Space, the final frontier. But not just the final frontier. I want to talk about space on your hard drive. (laughs) I want to talk about space in your computing network. You need space, and you need space in in a compact and also secure environment. What you need is a WD hard drive, a solid-state drive from Western Digital. And listeners of the show have got a great deal coming. But first, let me tell you what you may not know about WD. When WD, you are now able to get solid-state drives and hard drives to fit your unique needs. With a WD solid-state drive to your PC, you get blazing read speeds so you can boot your system quickly, load games and applications in a snap. Nothing better than WD, tell you. And... For a limited time, engaged listeners can get 20% off, 20% off, not 10, not 15, 20% off a WD solid state drive with a coupon code. And that coupon code is WDENGAGE, all one word, all caps, WDENGAGE, WDENGAGE, WDENGAGE. I will never tire hearing that. (laughs) W-D-E-N-G-A-G-E, WDENGAGE. And for more, you go to WD.com slash engage. Go to WD slash, WD.com slash engage. Check out what they're offering. Think about it. You probably um, don't even realize that you need a new hard drive. I if probably do. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're just a guy who just checks your email, fine. But I have a hunch that you are the type of person, if you're listening to the show, likes to collect things, likes to keep a lot of video on hand. Uh, video games. Video games, especially. Podcasts. Music. You know, you may you may you may uh, sign up for Spotify. You know, tomorrow Spotify can cut a deal. Who's your favorite artist? Who is it? Bob Marley. Bob Marley's son, whoever runs the estate, might tomorrow get pissed off at Spotify. All the Bob Marley's done. You're not going to hear a damn thing on Spotify anymore. But you'll hear it if you have downloaded it. Hopefully, after paying for it. Listen, I can't. I can't. uh, I can't tell you what to do. But you'll be able to hear it. Now there are a few bands that still aren't on Spotify. The band King Crimson, which probably really? some Star Trek engaged listeners like, King Crimson is not on Spotify. Interesting. I didn't know for that. For a long time, Van Morrison wasn't on. Now he is. The Beatles weren't on for a long time. Yeah, that, that, that's fairly recent, though, isn't it? Yeah, they weren't on. But like, they, it was a big deal. Like, today, yeah. finally, the Beatles. It's like, oh, you know, I know these songs. Already. It's like, oh, those, those albums I already own. Good Day Sunshine. <laughs> that's the worst Beatles song. I don't think I know that one. You know Good Day Sunshine? Good day. good day, sunshine. Do 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 do. Good day, What what the listeners can't hear is my per- can't see is my perplexed look. <laughs> well, my singing isn't too good. But anyway, the point I'm making is all this stream stuff. You got to collect some things once in a while. You never know. They're gonna they're gonna turn off the taps eventually. And the way to do it is with uh, Western Digital, wd.com slash engage. Get yourself a new hard drive. All right, on with the show. Uh, hey, Brian, it's time to meet the fans. All right, let's do it. We, uh, as you remember, a couple of weeks ago, uh, or months ago, actually, it was a while ago, we uh, let ourselves, we put ourselves up for bid 
when Iris Stephen Bear and Adam Nimoy were on the show and they were crowdfunding their film and they were like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God we got to make these goals, these benchmarks. And I said, anything I can do, thinking they'd never take me up on the offer. And next it thing you know. It was all organic and live, too. It was, it was all great. organic and live. And now we're going to talk to three fans who won on a bid. And uh, we're going to teleport in our first one. Whoa, coming in via <laughs> via the miracle of Skype. And I, I think we're putting the communication together. Hold on. And is it working? Accomplished. Yes. Standing we by. Standing by. We have on the horn, and this is his real name, Jonathan Q. Jonathan, Hello, sir. Jonathan Q, and your name is really Q. It is. It is, in fact, pronounced Q, yes. That's awesome. It's spelled K-U-I. But you are a member of the Q continuum in my eyes. Congratulations, Jonathan Q, <laughs> on having one of the best Star Trek names out there. I mean, only if your if your middle name was Mindmeld or something could it be any better than Jonathan Q. A big round of applause, <laughs> Thank you, sir. Jonathan. Wh- where are you skyping in from today? I am skyping in from sunny Sheepshead Bay, which is in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome! I've been to Sheepshead Bay. <laughs> Sheepshead Bay is a wild place. Like you know, I once got violently ill in Sheepshead Bay. I went on a fishing boat on a really rocky day, and got the worst seasickness ever. It was it was it was uh, seasickness that you've never seen before. But uh, I'll try not to associate that day of horror with you, my new friend. All right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So uh, you obviously are a Star Trek fan. Um, and, uh, you know, wanted to help out with, uh, Adam and, uh, and, um, Zapone and, uh, Bear on their film. And when you heard that, if you get, you didn't just win the, the, the right to appear on the show, right? You also won something else as a result of your, of your bid, right? Yeah, we actually got some, uh, nice little prizes. One included, um, a, a hat that apparently Terry Farrell herself made for the season four cast and crew oh. of DS9 and she signed a nice little postcard, uh, personalized postcard and explained the you know the history of the hats. So I got one of those as well as a Commander Cisco collectible action figure uh, in the box signed by Iris Stephen Bear himself. Awesome. Okay, good. So uh, <laughs> right because the the, the, the the glory and bounty of being on the show uh, this is it. You know, this is as good as it gets. So, <laughs> no, I'm joking. So, is is DS9 your favorite of uh, of the series? Yes, absolutely. Deep Space Nine for for many years has has always been uh, my favorite. I think probably because it was um, one of the best in terms of longer term storytelling. Um, I really enjoyed the Dominion arc and the feeling when it came out that it wasn't just a standalone week by week. Well, we'll solve each you know, problem story within one self-contained episode and then move on to the next adventure, um, which was great with Next Generation. But when DS9 had these long, years-long arcs, um, it really expanded uh, the breadth of the Star Trek universe. And to me, that's still one of the, the best series that has um, ever been made and probably one of the uh, more um, underserved in terms of appreciation. How 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 old were you when when it was first on the air? Were you watching it at the time, or did you discover it later on in uh, DVD or reruns? Oh or yes, no, no. I, I I watched it as they aired. I remember being absolutely blay uh, when Emissary first aired, and we got to see a flashback to Wolf Three Five Nine. That was that was fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I, I watched it as it came on. I remember uh, being at home. Um, um, I think I was probably in late elementary school, maybe early junior high, and I watched all the way through to the series finale where I was at my sister's house in college. So, 
Oh, so you, re- you literally grew up with DS9. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I grew up with, with Next Gen first. Well, um, you were too young. If you were only in elementary school, <laughs> you, you had no idea the, the ramifications of that show just yet. Uh, but now, was when, when Voyager was happening, were you one of those fans that were just like, Voyager, Schmoyager, just didn't care? Or were you... Did you have a wider approach that DS9 was your show, but you still tuned into Voyager every week? Oh, no, I, I, I followed all of the series uh, pretty much concurrently as they aired, uh, starting with Next Gen when I was eight. And uh, pretty much from that point forward, I pretty much watched them as they aired. Awesome. Did you go to any con- did you go to any conventions as a eight, nine, ten year old? <laughs> yeah, in fact, I, I think my first convention uh, was in at Stony Brook University in Long Island. Um, it was an icon. It was the ninth one they had held. And the very first um, Star Trek star that I met was John Delancey. Uh, and his, his was my first Star Trek autograph, followed immediately by Marina Sirtis, who was also there. Whoa. And uh, that so, began so a Q- couple of decades long uh, collection of autographs. So Q meets Q. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> Hold on for just a second, Jonathan. We're That's having right. a slight technical error. Um, we had a few technical glitches there, so we went to our auxiliary engines, and um, yeah, we um, went into the battle bridge, and now we have <laughs> we have Jonathan Q back on. So Q meets Q. We, we, did you tell John Delancey, hey, my last name's Q, or, or did you not? I'll be completely honest. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But in the, in the years that I've met him since at other conventions, yes, I have since mentioned that. And he has looked at you, and he said said probably looked and said oh that's fascinating but the man is an actor and inside he was thinking what the hell do i care this guy's name is q right <laughs> pretty much yes. no 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 he cares he's a genuine man i've met john delancey um i don't know maybe three times maybe even more uh i'm not like chums we don't go out for for brews or nothing but i have met him in sort of backstage environments and he is a genuine man and a brilliant man also he's uh quite an educated Man, and you know he—he, he, like uh, like the Star Trek characters we love, is an ex- is an adventurer in his own right. I don't know if you know this, but he he took he like dropped out of society for I don't know X amount of months. Let's say maybe ten months. Got in a very small ship and sailed around the world. You know, I had no idea. Wow. No, he did. He he he, and was offline. Like you know, people wanted to contact him. It was like, no, nope, I'm gone from. You know, from March through October, you know, call call my agent. I'm out of here. And did he, his son go with him as well? I don't know. I think it might have been just him on this on this. Yeah, just him on the on the seas and, and a compass and hopefully a radio. And he lived <laughs> to tell the tale. But it's funny uh, because um, I knew that he knew that he did this, so I asked him about it recently on the Star Trek cruise that happened in January. Sure. And I'll set the scene. Um, we're on the pool deck. They had like in the evenings they had big events in the theaters, but during the day they had these smaller sort of chat sessions, similar to what you see at a convention. So I was moderating a panel with Delancey and a small group of other TNG folk. I want to say Denise Crosby and Marina Sirtis, and it may have just been the three of us. I think it was just the three of them and me. And we were in the Caribbean, and there was a there was a kind of a bad storm on one night of the cruise. I, you know, nobody nobody went overboard or anything, but there was a bit of bad weather, and they kind of had to close up shop, and everybody had to go inside, and we could see it off in the distance. There was like a bad, big black cloud, and at first I was and I was joking, I'm like that cloud over there, that's nothing, don't worry about it. And then I turned to John, I'm like, is that cloud something to worry about? And he's like. Yeah, a little bit. I'm like, all right, this guy's worried. We're all doomed. <laughs> and he's like, I think it just means that the part, you know, they had like 
the party stuff happening on the decks. He goes, I just have a hunch that some of our outdoor activities are going to become indoor activities tonight. And he was absolutely right. So he knew. He can knew despite. But then he started using nautical phrase. Like, oh, that's that's a three-knot, you know, six off the port. I'm like, yes, sir. I know exactly what you mean, John Delancey. That makes perfect sense. Um, cool. So you are a dedicated Star Trek fan who attends attends um, uh, uh, conventions and and crowd and uh, donates to crowdsourced uh, documentaries and yeah, listens absolutely. to this show. So how has um, as a, as a hardcore Star Trek? You are not a casual fan. As a hardcore Star oh, no, Trek no. fan, how has Star Trek um, affected your day to day? Hopefully in the positive. But if there have been some ne- negative experiences, you could tell me that too. But has it helped you form relationships with other people? Has it, uh, you know, yeah, helped you I at mean, work? I mean, what are some stories you can share with me? Well, I mean, it's greatly affected my life, both in terms of, um, you know, helping me with having a moral compass and, and having uh, a sense of vision of hope for for the future of, of our race, of, of, of humankind. And more importantly, um, now that I'm a father, um, I, I had really a good opportunity to kind of you know, bring my, my, my children into into the wonderful world of Star Trek and expose them to the same kinds of ideals um, that the show teaches. And so my son, who is uh, just about to turn six, uh, he loves Star Trek as well, and he's been to Vegas, uh, the Vegas convention with me at least three times so far. Oh, wow, uh, that's awesome. Six, yeah. Does he dress up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've probably seen him. What, is he, who, what does he dress as? <laughs> well, he usually dresses up as Captain Kirk, uh, young Kirk from the Abrams films, because that's his favorite. Awesome. Um, and so we usually go in matching matching uniforms as well. So if he's wearing, uh, you know, his, his Abrams uniform, then I'll wear the Zachary Quinto. Oh, uh, wow. Uniform. Um, he's also got like a DS9 uniform from the early seasons of DS9, you know, the, the Voyager type one. So, um, you know, we've got matching uh, uniforms of that, too. And now my daughter's starting to get into it at age four. So she wants to be like Uhura. And so for me, Star Trek isn't just about, you know, what I see as the future of, of humanity and what I, I would love to see happen. But it's also been a great bonding experience for me and my children. And it's something that I feel genera- generationally I can bring them into as well. Uh, and they really seem to enjoy it. So it's, it's, it's been great. Well, that's, you know, a, that's, a, that's, that's a really touching story what would you have done if they just hated it they'd be like nah this stinks well if that's the way it was going to happen that's the way it was going to happen i always said as long as they didn't become star wars fans instead of star (laughs) trek fans i'd be fine if they became star wars fans they'd be living with their grandmother right 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 because i mean i all i mean every sunday my entire life all i did was disappoint my father when i didn't want to watch nfl with him i tried i I did i even went to some games and pretended i cared go giants but give me a break but it kind of all worked out. He, you know, he he has literally has said to me uh, when there were uh, Star Wars Darth Vader stamps that came out, mm-hmm. he was being very nice. He's like, here, I got you some Star Trek stamps. And they were Darth Vader. Oh. And I'm like, you know, God bless you. You tried. I know your heart's in the right place, but. Yeah, my friends at my job often try to give me a hard time by intentionally mixing the two up. Right. So. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is fine if you want to, you know, oh, half sure. pay attention to a to a lackluster movie. Go right ahead, you know. But indeed, thank you. Um, <laughs> so cool. So your daughter. So you're going to come again this this summer? Yeah, I can't make it to Vegas this summer, but I am Ooh. hoping to come next summer. All right. Uh, so okay. the fiftieth the fiftieth anniversary one was amazing, that but was I think fun, my yeah. wife would probably have big issues if I tried to come again this year. So next year, next year it is. Do you find? I mean, your your daughter's very young, but your your older son does he? Um, 
does he like original series or does he find it kind of slow and boring? Because it is, it was yeah, made no, 50 he, years ago, so. He loves the original series, which is something I haven't quite understood. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I always figured he would gravitate more towards next gen, but no, he, he loves the original series and he loves Voyager. So those, are, those seem to be his two favorites. Well, for me, it's more Enterprise, DS9, and Next Gen. So huh. we kind of complement our tastes, I guess. Well, Voyager I could get, I guess, because it is you know, adventuresome and, and you know, it's sure. of the modern era. Um, but he loves to – well, that's cool. So maybe he loves like you – know, maybe he'll get into other kind of 60s – Maybe he's going to really like Lost in Space or Time Tunnel or something like that, yeah, too. Well, you, you, know? you know what he's been watching lately, Jordan? He's been watching Sequest. So he really seems to have taken to Sequest, as has my daughter as well. So wow. he's really revisiting some of the '90s greatest sci-fi. I gotta <laughs> say the mini, the mini, the mini Qs, the lower cla- yeah. lower lowercase Qs of uh, of of Brooklyn, New York, are some are some weird <laughs> and wonderful kids. Let me tell you, Sequest and X Files. Those are the other two shows that they watch. So good times. That's awesome. So what do you what are you hoping for for the new show? And this is a safe space. You can speak speak uh, speak your honest truth here. What do you? Uh, are you nervous? Are you excited? No, you know, I'm, I'm actually very excited. I'm, I'm really hoping that um, they are able to tell some pretty exciting stories that, that won't completely, I don't want to say damage, but like go against the existing continuity. I'm hoping that they, they, they tell a great story that will fit within the established continuity that has, has been told in an over 50-year-long story. Um, you know, and I, I've heard a lot of people, you know, talking about the, the new Klingon designs. I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting to see what, um, what we could have seen had the technology and the budget been available in the 60s. And so, um, yeah, I'm just eager to see what they do, what kind of stories they tell. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that the, uh, the stories don't conflict with what we've already seen. You know, it's interesting. I think what you touched on was, was right. I don't think story-wise, stories, characters, and sort of uh, lore, I don't think we're going to have any conflicts or quote-unquote canon yeah. breaches. I think they're going to be legit on that front. Yeah. The only thing that may raise people's ire and it's happened already and we just have to accept it because it's common sense is that you know it's going to look a little different the the bridge you know we did a whole trailer breakdown on the show and it looks like a show that was made in 2017 as opposed to 1966 it just looks different you know the 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 fabric looks different it looks like it has more money quite frankly (laughs) so once you get over that and some people won't i mean some people are just very literal minded and uh and it's just going to be too much for them and that's just the way it is. But I think once you right. get over that, I think that story-wise, you know, if you're just reading the scripts, if you never watch Star Trek, if you only listen to it like a radio play, I think you're going to find that it, it is um, going to be simpatico. That's my guess. You know, I don't know too much. Yeah. The powers that be over at uh, CBS All Access have uh, decided that um, I'm on a need-to-know basis because they know i got a big <laughs> mouth and the minute I hear anything, I'll tell everybody. So, uh, Well, let me ask you, Jordan. Go for what, it. What what would you like to see out of the new series? Well, you know, uh, exactly what you said. I mean, I love, um, I, 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 I do love uh, expand, expanding the universe, so to speak. I mean, I love the cool uh, alien species and races that we have already existed in canon. And that was one of right. the really cool things about Enterprise, is that we got to dig our teeth into the Andorians a lot and the other things that right. were more on the fringe. So since this is going to be a set in, you know, it's not continuing the timeline, it's back in the timeline, I think some of that would be really cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think, you know, at least all the images of the aliens we've seen so far seem new, right? 
There's a blue guy yeah. who might have been a Bolian, but he has like washers on his face, so right. we don't know where we don't know what his story is. <laughs> so um, uh, I think you know I just want it to be weird and funny. Um, I, yeah. I know that, and I want to choose my words carefully here because one of the things that I celebrate the most, and this show has celebrated the most, is the fact that Star Trek is. Um, very forthright in its embrace of diversity and multiculturalism. And I think it's done that so far in the series without sort of making um, a statement of it. It just it just was, you know, Captain Janeway was a woman yeah. captain and it wasn't a big deal. And I want to make sure that it's I, I'm I'm hopeful that it stays the same way. You know, if right. it has a. You know, the political tenor of the times right now is to be a little bit, look at me, aren't I, aren't I on the right side of things? And yeah. a, a lot of that has to do with because the other side is so repulsive that you have to behave that way sometimes. Yeah. So uh, you're, I mean, you're hoping for something more like Doug, Doug Young's appearance in Star Trek Beyond. Oh, yes. that You really it's nailed more it. It's commonplace and understated. No, I, I completely agree. I think that would be a wonderful place for us to be both societally and uh, in, in terms of storytelling. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think that's how it'll be. You know, I, I, I yeah. think so. But also, I just want it to be uh, fun also. Fun and funny and and yeah. um, have great characters. I want to know more about those characters. You know, the ones we see in the trailer, you know, that, that, that Saru says, I smell death coming. I bet half those people we see are going to drop dead in minute 15 of the first episode. That's my guess. There are certainly serious about that, for so, sure. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> Lieutenant Saru seems cool, and, uh, and our lead looks awesome, and, and the yeah. captain, I don't know how much she's going to be in there, because there's a new captain coming, and Right. You know, it's cool that we've got Sarek there, and the new Sarek uh, seems, you know, seems like Sarek. So that's pretty exciting. James Franey, he's a great actor. Yeah, he it's going to... A couple of years back, I saw him, actually. He was, he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be pretty... I think it's going to be great. You know, and it's going to be fun to watch people freak out. Because, you know, there are going to be, that's not what a tricorder looks like. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you're right. But, you know, there's that, great, there's that line in the... Um, there's that line in The Big Lebowski... Where he says, "No, Walter, you're not wrong. It's just that you're an asshole." <laughs> I think, I think eventually it's going to come to that with some people who just can't handle the fact that the tricorder looks different because this is supposed to be set ten years before the 1966 show. But we gotta, you know, you gotta deal with it. But we'll see. We'll see. So if you could pick three characters from either Enterprise or the original series that could make an appearance somehow in Discovery. Right. Well, why, why limit yourself? Who, would we pick? Who's to say that somebody from elsewhere couldn't slip through a, t a wormhole or something? But I, I see your point. Um, By the way, even money would be, if that were to happen, it would be Jonathan Frakes, since he seems to have popped up in DS9, Voyager, <laughs> Enterprise, and Nick Right, Generation right. If, Fra if Frakes were to show up, would he be himself, or would he be Thomas Riker? Wouldn't that be Thomas funny? Riker if Thomas Jr. Riker, Thomas Riker Jr., <laughs> Um, well, I mean, time-wise, I mean, a Dr. Sung, right? Because there was an Elder Sung yeah. in Enterprise, right? It was Eric Sung, yep. Mm -hmm. And how many generations was Eric from uh, Dr. Sung? Was he his grandfather? Okay. 22nd century to 24th, you got to figure, probably at least two generations removed. Right, right. So there's, at least. there's not, uh, it wouldn't be too crazy to see another Sung in there. I also think it wouldn't be too crazy to see, you know, uh, there was rumor that uh, there would be a wharf in there because we had an elder wharf in Star Trek VI. Sure. But, you know, I think 
I think it is extremely unlikely that we are going to see any of that in the first season. Yeah. And, I, and I could understand why, because they want to make a clean break of it. Yeah. You know, in fact, if you watch early seasons of Next Generation, they very specifically had very few references to, uh, you know, original Star Trek. You know, they wanted sure, to make their sure. own thing. And then very slowly toward the end, um, I think the, fir- the, the there was one, there was sort of a wink when they had one episode that was longer than the original series. They sort of did a uh, salute. If you if you really scrutinize the, the lines of dialogue, they were passing a system where the last episode of the original series was. And they said, ah, we are, we are moving past that, sir. And it was sort of nice. And then eventually, obviously, Spock showed up and... In, um, unification. unification, but uh, I think it's going to be a while. So, but if but your original question, if I could, if you can get three to show up, <coughs> excuse me. Well, you know, you could get and well, no, I was going to say you get a pike in there, but he would have to. It would have to be. How would you do that? Because it could. Well, actually, well, that would work because Pike was in command before Kirk, and this is set right what, ten years before. So, in theory, isn't it possible that? 1701 is flying around with Captain Pike. Well, I guess a couple years down the road. Yeah, well, like Pike, Pike would be there somewhere. Like the Enterprise or something. It would be cool to see young Pike. I mean, it would be cool. You know, I'm going to give you my answer. I'm going to give you one answer. If I was, if I, if, if the producers came to me and said, who do you want in there? I'd like to see a slightly younger uh, Bones McCoy in there somehow. Oh, interesting. Now, that gets difficult because you have to cast somebody who isn't um, DeForest Kelly, obviously. Um, right. I mean, you could cast... Uh, you could really... You could cast Carl Urban. If yeah, you, you could. Some sort of universe crossover. Well, it wouldn't have to be him. No, you, you, it would be Carl Urban with, like, a different haircut. So it wouldn't be, <laughs> it wouldn't be Bones Prime. No, it would be Bones Prime. It wouldn't be the other Bones, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nobody would understand. Only like hardcore Star Trek fans who memorize different timelines and stuff would know what the heck was going on. But that would be the character I would want to see because he's uh, a great deal of fun and the great character. And also, it wouldn't have to be all about him. Right. You know, you would see him in medical school or you would see him working under someone else or you would see him doing something. You know, that's my pick. Uh, originally, I was going to say somebody like Shran or somebody like that, but no, I would like I would like to see Bones McCoy. That's that's my pick. I'd actually like to see some of the Zindi, only because we hadn't established how it is that we never seem to have run into them again in in uh, future series. Right. It'd be interesting to see if we can address what may have happened to the Zindi and why we never do see them again. They were just they ran with their tail between their they legs. Just, <laughs> <laughs> they never they were. Withdrew to their own system. Interesting. I love yeah. that the Zindi get mentioned in Star Trek Beyond for a yeah. millisecond, if you listen very closely. Yeah, the Makos. That, that was yeah. a nice reference. Yeah. I wonder if there'd be Makos on Discovery, too. That would be interesting as well. Uh, well, I would say That's no, cool. because Makos yeah. are pre-Federation, right? Once the That's Federation point, gets yeah. created, you don't need the Makos anymore. But maybe, but maybe they go to like a bar where all the old retired Makos hang out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, it's going to be fun to uh, to speculate about all this, but it's going to it's going to come. And I, I do think, though, by and large, uh, my guess and we should all manage our expectations. I think that the connections to pre-existing canon are going to be minimal because they want to do it right and they don't want to screw anything up. Sure. And, you know, they have people on the team that really know, uh, you know, know the, the lore, but they, they want to do their own thing. So, um, you know, those those type of references 
Uh, that's a season two deal, I think. I think yeah, season yeah. one is going to be minimal. That's my guess. Well, listen, Jonathan Q, I want to thank you very much for uh, dialing in today from far away well, thank you, sir. in Sheep's Head. And um, thanks for listening. And thanks for, uh, you know, we're going to have you to thank, among others, for when the, the documentary, uh, it's called What You Leave Behind, right? That's the name of the documentary? What We Left Behind. What We yeah. Left Behind. What We Left Behind, uh, the documentary, which will be coming out uh, God knows when, so probably early next year. And, um, you know, real quick before we go, what are your top three uh, favorite episodes, individual episodes? You can't just say the Dominion arc. What are your favorite episodes of all of Star Trek? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I guess for, I'm going to start with Enterprise and say Affliction and Divergence, that two-parter. Can I do that? Or do you want one episode? All right. We'll allow that. We'll allow that. Okay. <laughs> it's the Enterprise, Affliction and Divergence. Um, next Generation, Best of Both Worlds, one. Ah, and wait, so that so you're saying the two-part for Enterprise, but not the second part of Best of Both well, Worlds. I would say both. I just didn't want to push my luck. Well, but, well, I, but I, was gonna, I, was, <laughs> I was actually going to pat you on the back because I feel the Best of Both Worlds Part 2 is a letdown to Part 1. Yeah, I think Part 1 is stronger, yep. uh, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. But uh, I, I think as, as a story, obviously, both parts are, are sure. you know, really part of an integral whole. And I'm going to go with In the Pale Moonlight. Uh, for DS9, which, by the way, uh, I, was, I think I was there when you vetoed it as the, <laughs> <laughs> the best episode of the franchise, which made me very sad. Because did I veto? Did I like push it to number two or number three or something? Yeah, because you didn't want it, the the best episode of Trek to be such a dark story. I uh, I, I agree with I agree with myself. I agree with myself. <laughs> it should be number two or number three. It's too dark. <laughs> the whole point of that episode is that it's an anti Star Trek episode. And it's the boundary. Um, I, it's the I, I outer limits. I agree with that. I think anti is a very strong phrase. I think it showed a different side of what had to be done. Uh, and it, it definitely showed the characters acting, um, basically having to do things that they would normally never bring themselves to do. And Enterprise had an episode like that, too, called Damage. But uh, just, I don't think it was anti-Star Trek. I just think it showed how far... Some people were well. People were willing to sacrifice right, right. in order to benefit the whole. Well, it's yeah. a very you know we've talked about it on this show a bunch uh, with Iris Stephen Bear. Actually, it is the sort of uh, ends justify the means moment, and it's the bleakest moment in all of Star Trek. And you know, uh, Gene Roddenberry would not have liked that episode. I don't think James T. Kirk would have liked that episode. I think he probably he not <laughs> would not have liked that. But it is great. It is undeniably great. And. <laughs> Also, it works great. Even if you don't know anything about the Dominion War, you can watch that one. You can show that episode to somebody who doesn't know yes. much about Star Trek, and they'll still get it. Which is why I, I've never understood how City on the Edge of Forever keeps on getting best episode of the original series in so many polls. Well, I know, I know it's almost, I know it's it's heretical for me to say that, but is. truth be told. Most of it doesn't even take place on 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 Enterprise. It's on. mostly in the 1940s on Earth. You have just I mean, you have just fired no. a photon torpedo. <laughs> you have just. I, I know that is not a popular view. You but, just damaged uh, da our our shields have been were down, and you damaged us yeah, with that. Not the most popular point of view, but uh, well, what can I say? I think Doomsday Machine is a better example of what the show was able to to accomplish uh, Doomsday Machine if you were going to go with that I would say Corbin might maneuver over Doomsday Corbin Machine Corbin might maneuver also a good good choice I think I think either of those would be would be a better choice than the the version of City on the Edge that we ended up seeing on screen alright there's a lot going on in that first of all uh, what's his name um, Harlan Ellison's Ellison. vision of that is 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 silly I've, I've read the comic that, it, that they devised which he says is the most brilliant thing that ever happened and it's fine but it's a footnote City on the Edge of Forever is 
really perfect. And although it is not, um, you're right, it's not on the Enterprise, and it's not with you know our our 23rd century aliens. Uh, it's a pretty great uh, examination of Kirk, Spock, and Bones. That's fair and enough, for sure. I think I, I you know, I, I'm one of the ones who, who just, just reflectively say it's the best. And I also think that it's a really good one to show people. Maybe because it's not on the ship; it's an entry drug, sure, sure. a gateway drug, if you will. But you I ease think them into the 24th century, right? 23rd century? You can I ease think. them into it, and then you can wallop them within the pale moonlight and destroy their destroy their souls after. Destroy all hope. Uh, Great. Destroy all hope. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we got to roll. But thanks again. Uh, this was fun. We should have you, uh, you on the show again sometime, and you, then you wouldn't even have to pay to do it. How does that sound? Uh, in, in, amazing. Uh, this has been a real honor, and um, <laughs> it's just such a delight to be able to speak to you. Great. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you soon. Be well. All right. Take care now. Thank okay, you. Okay. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Uh, hey, Brian, I mentioned earlier that we're meeting the fans today. Yes. And uh, I'm going to open up my communicator again. And there is a man on the move. He's calling us from a cellular telephone, a communicator, if you will. Uh, we've got him on the horn. Uh, let's see if it, did we connect it through? Accomplished. Standing by. Oh, there he is. We've got Jonathan Spencer on the phone. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. And we're, you live somewhere in the Washington, D.C. area, correct? That's correct, yes. Do you work for the government? Arlington, Virginia. Where are you in Virginia? Arlington, Virginia. Yes, right in D.C. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Do you work for the government in any capacity? Is our phones being tapped in addition to uh, listening to the podcast? <laughs> Not to my knowledge. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, uh, you were one of the three folks who put in a bid for uh, the, the documentary, um, and uh, you won the right to speak to me, which is the, the lesser of the three gifts you got. In addition to that, you got, and I already know because everybody else got the same thing, you, know, you got a cool hat that Terry Farrell made for the crew in season four that she put a little postcard with. Am I correct? That's correct, yes. And, and you got a cool Captain Cisco mint in box signed by Iris Stephen Bear, right? That's correct, yes. Awesome. And then you also got um, uh, a framed and autographed picture of... Uh, no, I'm kidding. You didn't get a third thing. I was just going to try to make you feel jealous of the other two, but no. That's what everybody got, so that's good. Yep. And uh, let me ask you, Star Trek, how old were you when it came into your life? Were you, uh, I don't know how old you are, but are you someone that kind of discovered it on your own? Did you have an older sibling that brought brought you to it? Had you heard about it for years and years, and then only later you tuned into a rerun? What was your What's your origin story to become a huge Star Trek fan? Um, I would say I've probably been a fan since I was about eight years old. Um, I wasn't quite old enough, though I was around when um, Star Trek first aired, but um, I really started to watch it when it was being rerun um, continuously, uh, you know, five nights a week on the local uh, television station um, when I was about, you know, eight years old. And uh, that, it's from that point on that I've been a fan of Star Trek. 
And when they did those reruns, they did them in order, right? So if you really liked one episode, you had to wait through the remaining 79 for it to loop back upon themselves, right? That's correct. Awesome. So when you got stuck in the doldrums of season three there, it wasn't always so great, but uh, you know, you powered through nonetheless. You powered through and you waited until uh, you got it back around to something like uh, Sitting on the Edge of Forever or one of the other great episodes. So did you see the motion picture in theaters when it came out? Yes, I did. And what, at the, how old were you at that time? Oh, I'm, try, let me, I'm trying to remember because that would have been about, um, I probably was in my early teens. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, when, when those came out, because what was that? Um, that was like... Uh, the first one was 79. 79. Okay. No, I was, um, I, was about, I was in my mid-teens at that time. All right. So the question is, were you mesmerized by the beauty and splendor of this you know, grand vision? Or did you find Star Trek the motion picture to be a little slow? Um, you know, certainly, you know, you having waited so long for something new on Star Trek, um, you are mesmerized and I'm being a fan, you know, loving it, but also, you know, saying, okay, come on, pick up the pace a little bit. <laughs> right, right. I think it's great to go back to Star Trek the motion picture now, knowing what's happened. And, you know, it's sort of an anomaly. It's a very strange, you know, we did a whole episode just on that one movie. It's a very strange movie, and it's very much of its time, and it has a very unique vision. I would imagine, though, to somebody who was in their teens, especially, who loved the original series and was getting ready to watch this first movie, I don't know if disappointed is the word, but maybe just a little bit, I don't know, perplexed or taken aback, uh, not quite what you expected. I, I think that's true. I mean, I think, you know, it sort of had the same, in many ways, it was taking from what was, you know, 2001 in Space Odyssey. Oh, and sure, yeah. Scenes, you know, but again, you know, um, it was, you know, the just the idea that, okay, the original crew was back. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had the original episodes, then you had the animated, which were fun, but you were still waiting for, you know, for that yeah yeah and then when next gen came around were you on it from day one or you were one were you one of those fans that it took a little time to warm up for you because a lot of fans were really not into it at first they 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 disliked it and for a number of different reasons or but then some fans loved it from the first frame where, where did you fit in on that um you know i'm not going to claim that i was in love with it from the first episode you know encounter at far point but you know shortly thereafter after they got through sort of the, you know, I think, what was it, a mock now? And, you know, once they got past sort of trying to replicate what had been done before. Right, um, right, yeah. You know, I definitely was a big fan of it. You know, it's funny. I think one of the things that really started to set the show apart was killing off Tasha Yar, which is upsetting because I like her. I love Denise Crosby also, and I like the character. But the fact that they would kill a major character which happened only because of behind-the-scenes reasons. She was unhappy with the way you know, things were going for her. But when they killed her off, it really differentiated the show from, from really anything else on television at that time. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I think you know, this was, I think, you know, Deep Space, I'm sorry, Next Generation took, you know, started to move in beyond what was the original show. I mean, even from the beginning, when there was the idea that, you know, Picard, the captain, wasn't going to beam down every minute, that that was going to be the first officer's job, Riker's job. Um, you know, they were sort of, you know, they were conscious of 
the criticism, you know, <laughs> that were launched at the original Trek. As sure. Far as, come on, that's not going to happen. Um, and as they moved along, you got more and more of that, and the characters became distinct, um, and not simply, okay, you know, Data is a new version of Spock. You know, right, right. Um, you know, they weren't just analogs of the original show. Right. They certainly were, you know, they, they kind of slipped in the same column if you had to match them up with index cards, you know, but they're not exactly the same. It was not it was not a Xerox copy, and I think that was a, a key point there. Um, let me ask you, as, as, a, as a fan since the age of eight, have there been times and experiences where being a Star Trek fan has affected your real life? I mean, as opposed to just, you know, your entertainment and leisure hours where being a fan has affected you in a positive way or maybe a negative way in, in you know, at, at, you know, at, at, at your job or, or with meeting people? Have you had any experiences like that? Well, certainly, um, I'm a, my background is I'm a technology lawyer, cyber lawyer. So getting into that and doing those sort of things was certainly inspired by, you know, my love of Star Trek and science fiction. Um, I'm active with a group of people we are trying to launch, um, and here's a little, excuse me, the plug, but a museum of science fiction in the Washington, D.C. area that, you know, dedicated to all things science fiction. So I've gotten chances to meet, you know, people like um, Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry, and um, Adam Nimoy, and, you know, meet these folks and, you know, um, but even meet people in the real-life community, you know, folks at NASA and, you know, and folks at uh, DARPA, who, and they're all fans. Right, yeah. Good luck finding somebody in those places that aren't fans of Star Trek. I mean, that's the, you know, they, they, they all are. I mean, that's what's pretty incredible. So a, a, a cyber lawyer sounds pretty awesome, but uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, specific legalities because... Uh, it's not happening in the state of Maryland or Virginia. It's happening in sort of a in cyberspace, right? There are d- d- different rules apply. Is that where your your line of work fits in? Um, correct. You know, it's about you know how do you deal with the, you know, and again, it's like you know if you're transacting business electronically online across borders, where you know if you think about it in cyberspace, everything touches everything. Right. And, and um, you know the issues are somewhat similar to what they are in the physical world and some are different and um whether you know it's the traditional copyright technology thing to you know protecting against attacks as we're hearing and you know advising on those issues and privacy these are all things that i end up dealing with uh do you let me ask you is bitcoin a good thing or a bad thing um you know i think bitcoin um you know i've been I think it is, in general, the idea of a cyber currency is a good thing. I think so, too. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, is it really It's the fact that it has certain capabilities there? I think that there is, there is a place, um, you know, it's, again, it's a tool. And, you know, you'll hear people saying, you know, it can be used for good and it can be used for not-so-good purposes. Um, but, you know, there is it allows for a certain level of freedom, and that freedom can be very positive and it can be abused. Right, right. I think my take on Bitcoin is it's good for anything under twenty nine ninety nine. Once you get above <laughs> that, it becomes too scary. That's my that's my solution. 
yeah, it's still in its infancy. So, exactly. Um, well, that's neat. So, yeah, I mean, sp- thinking science fiction like, I mean, because the world of Star Trek sort of exists in this altruistic utopian society, but where things like currency exchanges and the free sharing of uh, of ideas. I mean, there's no piracy. There's no piracy of, of, of movies and television shows on Star Trek because uh, who would who would think to monetize those things, right? Correct. Yeah. If, you know, they don't watch too many new movies there, though. They, it's funny. <laughs> when there's entertainment on the Enterprise, it's like they go and listen to a concert. You know, it's all it's there's not much watching of stuff at home. There's no Netflix and chill on the on the Enterprise. No, I mean, uh, next generation they introduced their version was the holodesk deck or the right. holodesk. Yeah, hollow novels. That's right. You know, they they did write hollow novels and actually come to think of it, there was a copyright issue with um the doctor cuz he wrote his own hollow novels right and he wasn't getting credit for them is that did i am i remembering that correctly do you know which episode i'm talking about um i don't offhand but it does sound familiar yeah but. no th- there was something in voyager you you got to watch this one especially where where uh, they were it wasn't so much the money it was the authorship because you know the the doctor was a uh you know not a sentient being or some argued that he wasn't uh and he was creating his own hollow novels, and and what you know, where would the authorship lie? So, uh, but you're right; they would do the hollow novels, and they wouldn't do so much as why. But if they did watch movies on Enterprise, but they watched classics. They watched like Bride of Frankenstein and things like that um, on movie night. But that was a uh, that was a different story. So, yeah, yeah, and I know on Voyager, some of the hollow suites were back to the classic monster. Uh... <laughs> right. Well, Tom pa- Tom Paris is a man after all of our own hearts. You know, I often like to think. Who on Star Trek represents the fans? And, uh, you know, it's a lot of times it's Reg Barclay is sort of the stand-in for the fans because, you know, he's obsessed with the other characters. You know, he has these sort of fantasies, um, some of them a little prurient and some of them not, about, you know, being with the, you know, the, the ranking commanding officers. And then later on, when they brought Reg Barclay back on, on Voyager, you know, he becomes obsessed with bringing them home and, inserting himself into their lives and i always thought of of um of reg barclay as uh as representing the fans but to a certain extent tom paris is too because of his obsession with old sci-fi you know his love of you know buck rogers and flash gordon and whatnot and uh what was it what's the captain proton was that what it was captain proton right captain proton yes yeah, captain proton which is awesome and uh janeway's character was called um uh Arachnia, right? Princess Arachnia, Queen Arachnia, something like that. It sounds know. right. <laughs> that was a good one in black and white. That was a lot of fun. Uh, cool. Well, um, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, it's good to see how science fiction brought you into what is, I'm sure, a very uh, fulfilling uh, and strange pocket of the legal universe. There were some good lawyers on Star Trek, too. The episode, uh, episode Court Martial, you have, I forget the character's name, but he was a... Uh, a forthright and bold legal personality, right? Because lawyers often get the short shrift in, in, in TV and movies. They're always made fun of, right? That tends to be. But I know for the Star Trek, and particularly when you get into Next Generation and, um, you know, where you had, um, you know, around Data and, you know, did he have a right, his own right thing? You know, it really, they use lawyers to highlight some of the really... Um, big science fiction issue, you know, the sort of issues that 
science fiction loves to tackle. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that one, that episode, Measure of a Man, um, yeah, the judge on that is is pretty sharp, and, uh, you know, the bad guy on that is not so good, but he, you know, he represents himself, his own case, but, uh, yeah, no, that was a good, a good one also, and then, uh, of course, um, Worf's grandfather, or great uncle in Star Trek VI, is another great moment in Star Trek's jurisprudence when you had, uh, <laughs> you had, uh, a lawyer being treated right. You know, I think I think people more people need to stand up for lawyers' rights out there. They're always getting made <laughs> fun of. So I think that's that's one case. Uh, so real quick, before we wrap it up, uh, you know, we've got the new show coming up later this year. Have you got any specific hopes and dreams or worries about the new show you're probably going to be watching, yes? Um, yeah, I mean, I plan to watch it, um, you know, one manner or the other. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, they follow you know what was the tradition in the star trek um you know it is it follows in the view of you know what was next gen and deep space nine and even voyager they skip over some of the lesser things of enterprise but you know if they if they keep story as the most important part um it should be a great show i think i think Uh, you're right i think you're right on that one uh but the worry is if they put what ahead of it special effects or Trying yeah, to... I mean, if they tr- if it focuses on special effects, um, if it ends up being you know an action flick in the reign of a lot of the recent um, superhero yeah. shows that are on TV, um, you know, it's that's not going to be it's not going to be true to Star Trek. I mean, yes, there's action in Star Trek, right. but. You know, Star Trek has always been, you know, the best of Star Trek has always been story driven. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, uh, all, all these shows, which I haven't really watched, Daredevil and, and Iron Fist and whatnot. I haven't really checked into too many of those, but I watched a little Jessica Jones. I liked that one, but I didn't finish it. And you're right. That's not Star Trek. That's a different scene. So, but, you know, I have faith. I'm keeping hope alive, and we're going to know more in a few months. So hopefully all of our, if we keep our fingers crossed, I think it's going to work out. But we'll, we'll know soon. That's true. Excellent. Well, listen, I want to thank, thank you again for, for checking in with us. Uh, congratulations to you for keeping the hope and faith of Star Trek alive and for uh, making your contribution to the crowdsource of the documentary, which will probably be coming out early next year. And maybe we'll catch you at a convention one of these days. Look forward to it. All right, man. Thank Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast with your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. Hey, Brian, we're going to meet the fans again. All right, who's next? Uh, Who's next? Uh, Let me get my communicator open. And uh, let me uh, wait. I'm gonna have to dial in because we're we're leaving. The last person was in New York, and now we're going all the way, I believe, to Connecticut. Hold on. Let's see if we can get him on the line. Is it accomplished? Uh, do we have a Patrick on the line? You do. Accomplished. Standing by. <laughs> Excellent, Patrick. You are from Connecticut, right? I am not. I'm actually from Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh my God! Where did I get Connecticut from? Uh, I don't know. Oh my. Probably a nice place, but uh, you can't beat Indiana. <laughs> you know, I have a cousin in Indiana, but I know him as my cousin from Columbus, and he moved to Indiana recently. He loves it there. 
So one of these yeah, days. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's a, it's it's pretty great here. It's a lot, you know, it's just kind of laid back, and you know, your dollar goes a long way, and the people are friendly. And oh man, it's a great I, place to live. I gotta get out of New York and go to Indiana. I'll tell you, every time I've been in the Midwest, I have always had a good time. Uh, Columbus, Ohio is very nice. Uh, Chicago, I don't know if that counts. I've been to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Does that count as the Midwest? Uh, a little north from here, but oh, no. it's probably the Midwest. It's close. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, cool. So listen, you were one of the three people who put up a bid... Uh, to uh, win the honor of speaking to me, of all things, for the um, what we uh, what we left behind uh, documentary. But it wasn't just that; you also won some other things, right? Correct. What were the other prizes you got? Um, I actually got a uh, a hat that Terry Farrell designed for the season four uh, cast and crew. Ah, a little note from her, which, uh-huh. is, which is always nice. I mean, you know. She was a great reason to watch Deep Space She's Nine. a wonderful individual and uh, one of my favorite trills. And let me guess, the other thing you got was a Cisco uh, figurine mint in box signed by Iris Stephen Bear. I, I did. All and right. That, that, I actually have a pretty extensive memorabilia collection, so that, that, that'll fit in quite it's, nicely. Well, that's cool. It slips right in. Well, listen, Patrick, I don't want uh, to hurt your feelings or nothing, but that's the same exact thing the other guy got. So... Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Hey, man. You can, yeah, there's so much. There's a lot of Ira to go around. I'm sure. That's right. But I think I think only you three got those got those three things. Cool. So tell me, how long have you been a Star Trek fan? Where were you in life when Star Trek hit you? Obviously, we 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 unless we are old enough, and I don't know how old you are, but unless you're old enough to have watched the original series when it was first on the air, you grow up in America and pop culture. Star Trek is there before you are. You know, it's just something that's out there. When did it first touch you? Yeah, it did. It, it, I, I I grew up after, obviously, when it was on, but but close. So you know, when the reruns hit, you know, obviously my brothers and sisters were watching it, and I just got sucked right into it. And it was on every every you know, it was on a lot of the different channels. And then once I just got hooked with the whole premise of it, and uh, you know, just the idea of it, and I just became became a big fan. I don't think I'm one of those fans that could, you know, could call every episode and get that in depth into it. But uh, well, neither know. am I, frankly. I know every the, na- the name of every episode of original series, but after that, it's oh, the one where Quark does blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. But still, uh, Star Trek has been with you. How old were you when you first got into it? Uh, I, I would say, you know, in my teen, you know, early teens. Yeah, it's a good show to watch when you're in your teens. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because it's got all these high-minded ideals, and it is very positive and forward-thinking, and it's a true meritocracy. But if you're in your teens, everybody on the show looks gorgeous and wears very tight clothing. Can we be honest about that? Uh, we can. Yeah. Uh, the men and the women. I don't care where where your interests lie. The men, the women, and the trills, and uh, even even the Ferengis. If you're into Ferengis, <laughs> that those little jumpsuits with the with sort of the Paisleys, you know, if, if you're into that, you're gonna, it's, it's good stuff too. Star Trek has always been a very visual experience from the ships to it the has, bright colors. I would lean towards the women on that visual experience. That's, that's, and that's, it's a, uh, yeah, that's obviously a plus. Something to celebrate, something not to, I, I don't think it is grotesque to, uh, to uh, embrace that aspect of the show. I think, you know, we are, we are forward-thinking men, but let's not uh, deny uh, the fact that there are many beautiful uh, women on the show. Uh, so, 
Uh, and uh, Deep Space Nine certainly played into that when uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Jadzia Dax signed your hat. Was DS9 always your favorite of the shows? I mean, you're, you're, you're donating to the crowdsource of the, um, the documentary about it. Is that your one? If somebody says, which is their favorite Trek? Is it DS9? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I tend to lean towards DS9 or Voyager. I know a lot of the, a lot of the true Trek fans aren't big fans of Voyager. Most, some of them aren't, but I, I, I liked Voyager. I, I just liked, you know, that, that's probably my favorite, but Deep Space Nine is definitely, you know, tied or a close second. I like the fact that the, those guys, Ira and, and, and everybody that was involved were forward-thinking to the point that they they did a series that was basically one episode in an entire season. So they went against that trend of, you know, the shows that say, hey, well, I don't want to do this because of when they do it in reruns, somebody might not get hooked on it. And, you know, instead of saying, no, you know, we're not going to do it for that reason. We're going to do it because we want to do it this way. They were just ahead of their time. You know, 24 and shows like that have, you know, reason to thank these guys. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that there was so much else going on with the franchise that they were kind of left alone. They kept their budgets where they were. They kept the ratings where it was. And they could do whatever they wanted. And uh, Iris sort of talked about this on our show a little bit. They had the movie still happening. Voyager in its early years had a lot of attention on it. And, uh, yeah, they were sort of in that sweet spot, in that zone, when the Dominion War arc just sort of took off and it really did become a harbinger of the shows of today of the shows like game of thrones or uh you know even even things like mad men or the sopranos or something where you where you, you know i'm not gonna say you can't just drop in, in in season four episode six and figure out what's going on but uh it's not easy you know you gotta do a little bit of homework but but yeah, it's the rewards are there realized you know they were forward thinking enough to realize that you know they a lot of the fans are, are smart enough to do that or if people, the show, it's, it's such quality that when they see the show, that it, you know, you want to catch up on it. So if you got to go back a little, if you want to go forward a little, yeah. you know, I, I understand, you know, The Twilight Zone is a great, you know, it's a great show. Everyone's an individual episode, but I, I think that going on and forward with each show is just, is just a great way to make television. I, I think wanting people to come back, it's like you're living in their environment. And, you and the kids it. and the kids today don't realize how easy they have it, where they could stream everything and even, you know, find it, uh, even if it's not officially on Netflix or something, they can find this, the episodes they missed doing a little poking around back. We had to suffer. We had to use VHS tapes. We had a, or we had to we had to suffer through the week, which was kind of cool because it gave you something to look forward to. You know, I, I believe me, I'm a binge watcher, but I, I liked the, uh, you know, knowing that it was coming up the following week, just going, you know, what's going to happen next. I think that had some positives too. What? Uh, so, being a big Star Trek fan, have there been any specific uh, aspects of your appreciation for the show that have affected your life in both a positive or a negative? Has someone ever? Said, oh, I don't talk to that guy. He's really into Star Trek, or have you made friendships because of Star Trek? Well, I uh, actually I, I decided one year to go to the. I'd heard about the convention that Creation throws in Vegas, so I decided one year to do it. And actually, the year I did it was 2007, and that was the first year that they had the VIP passes. Oh, so they only did 20 of them. It was like their experimental program, and I was one of the original 20 that uh, I had a couple of the VIP passes. And it was just wonderful. Was 2007, that was the year um, at the Hilton where uh, Leonard Nimoy came out in a shirt that said number one Vulcan, right? 
That, that's right. And it was actually the 40th, 40th anniversary of Star Trek. So yeah. you, you were back in the green room. I got to meet and talk with everybody that was back there. Oh, wow. It was just, you know, people were, I mean, you, you could bypass every single line. You could go into every photo op. You could get, I mean, people in the elevators were just like, you know, here, take my wife. Can I get that badge? You know, I mean, just everybody knew how important. You had the VIP badge and, and you only, uh, went into credit card debt for the rest of your life because of it, but it was still worth it. It was, yeah, uh, yeah. It worked a little bit harder, but you know, and also another great thing was that Star Trek movie Abrams was going to do was just, you know, pre to coming out. So I think bad robot, his company wanted to get something to this convention so what they did was they pre-did a poster that, you know, they just did one little block of it. There couldn't have been many of them. And yeah. kind of handed them out there. So I got a couple of really cool pre-Star Trek posters. Oh, if I'm not mistaken, those are the ones that are white, and then in the form of the Delta Shield were Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Uhura, right? This is actually, it's even, I think, before that. It was oh. Just, it's, it's actually oh. white. The blue and, and purple just, one. It's just white and it's black. I mean, it's black, but then it's got the white logo and just says Star Trek in black in the middle, and then it says Star Date twelve twenty five oh eight on the bottom of it. Right, which is the wrong date. I did not know. that. No, you have a you have a true collector's item there, my friend. I hope you're keeping that well. Now I know which poster you're talking about, and I had um, a shirt that said twelve twenty one oh eight on it also, at which I very foolishly gave away. And now realize that somebody who has that shirt, it didn't fit me anyway. It was like a medium, and I, I am no medium, sir. Uh, but uh, that is the date that didn't happen. They had to bump it to 2009 because of, uh, you know, because these things frequently, as we know, as we know with Star Trek Discovery, when you, uh, when you, may, when you announce a date for a new Star Trek endeavor, it's not always, uh, you got to push it a little bit. But yeah, that, you've got the... Uh, the early date on that, 2000, 2008, it was going to be you know Christmas time, two thousand eight, and then they pushed it to May of uh, of two thousand nine, where it dom- yeah. dominated it's the summer. Framed and looking good. Excellent. Well, that's pretty cool. And the only only other great thing that I have also is I have the chair that the doctor used in Voyager all seven seasons in the sick bay. You have the chair in your home? I, I do. Whoa! Yeah. Did you did you pretty big pretty big collection? I've got. Uh, stuff from various TV shows, movies. I have Charlie Sheen's suspenders from Wall Street. I have Kate Hudson's blouse from the when she was on the bus and Almost Famous. Wow, oh my God! <laughs> probably about a thousand different items. So. Oh my God! So wow. you were you were a movie memorabilia collector in addition to being a Star Trek fanatic. I am. My sister Catherine in L.A. when I was a kid, she was a, uh, a hair and makeup rep. So she sent me a picture of Suzanne Summers autographed to me when I was a kid. Oh my God. And when I got it, I just said, this is my passion. That's what you want to do. Yeah, I've been collecting it. So how did you, when you got Charlie Sheen's suspenders, what was he sleeping? You just kind of crept over to him and just took him off yeah, his bed? Yeah, I just you know, handed him some tequila and said, hey, man, can I borrow those? And uh, no, he's, uh, uh, I got, there's. None of my stuff is eBay. It's either I know somebody or it's a reputable charity auction. Or oh, I see. Okay. Along those lines. All right. Yeah. Well, the charity auctions, I think, is a, you, you can feel good about yourself and you can get the doctor's chair from uh, from Voyager. and But also collectibles. Do you have a lot of like Star Trek, uh, you know, the stuff that you can buy just sort of legit just anywhere? Or do you have like the full 
the full Mego set and the full uh, the Playmate set and all that, no, or that's not your that's not your deal. Seen those Migos, I haven't actually got those yet, but I would like to have those. I actually have. I don't know. Maybe you'll know this. The the uh, there was an episode in Deep Space Nine where Doctor Bashir carried a portable bar. He had like liquor in it, and it was like a case he was carrying. Yeah. I actually have that case and that portable bar that he used in the show. You have the actual prop. I do. You was that through a charity auction or for you? Uh, yes, it was. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's 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 fun collecting because you know it's most of the stuff is one of a kind stuff. Sure, them. sure. When I was up recently at Ticonderoga, New York, at the uh, original series uh, set uh, visit they have now, uh, you know the set tour, uh, they actually had some original tribbles from all the way back uh-huh. from. Uh, Trouble with Tribbles, they, they, and they still look fluffy, let me tell you. I actually also have a couple of the banners that I actually got at that creation uh, at, the, at the show. So I actually have one big one that has the entire original cast that's signed by Leonard Nimoy and Shatner. Oh, awesome. And one of their big, long ones that had a bunch of different characters on it. I actually got it that they they have little auctions at the show there, so I got that. Right, there. no, they would sell the carpet if they could. At the end of the creation show... No you know, question. They have they have sort of like uh, auctions of cool stuff, and they certainly have a merch room. But then, like on the last day, it just becomes a frenzy of like, what isn't nailed down that we could sell? Right. Yeah. And because uh, they have these ostensibly uh, props, uh, in a, I don't know if it was there that year uh, when you were there, but they have these huge banners representing, you know, the various um, planets. Like they have like a big banner for the Klingon Empire and for the. Romulan Star Empire and for the Federation and yeah. you know all these things and uh, and then just when you first see him one day when it's like oh that's a nice little additional thing they have hanging there isn't that cool but then on the last day it's like they'll sell it you know so you could have a giant banner of Andoria if you wanted in your garage which uh, would be pretty cool but uh, I have yet to uh, my, my personal collection is pretty slim all things considered, uh, you know, considering that I do go to a lot of the conventions and I host this podcast, some think that I have just the, one of these amazing collections. I don't. I have, well, first of all, I live in New York, so I have a small apartment. Right. But second of all, I have a little room and I've just got a few, like, key, goofy things that I really like. And, and none of them are particularly expensive or hard to find. Like, I have... Um, from the episode Fistful of Datas, I have Deanna Troy in the cowboy hat, you know, because she looks fun, you know. Um, I have Admiral McCoy from Encounter at Farpoint because that's a goofy thing to have, you know. And I have um, Tom Paris when uh, after Threshold when he becomes like a half lizard man. I have that mint in box, although it's all damaged and broken because it's I got it for a dollar, you know, and it's like the most maligned yeah. and hated episode in all of Star Trek. I should get Brandon, Brandon Baga. I should get... I can't pronounce his name. I should get Brandon... Brandon thank you. I should get him to sign it because he has uh, since... Uh, I should call him Baga, too. Uh, he has since uh, admitted that that was a terrible episode. So I should I should get him to sign it someday. Say, look, look what I own thanks to uh, thanks to your your bad dream. Every, every now and then you get a lemon, but the good outweighs the bad for sure. No, but I love the old one. The, the, the stuff that's a joke is the stuff that's... I have a few... I, and I don't have any of the original Migos. There was like a re-release of the Migos, and I have the... Um, I have Baylock, and I have uh, Romulan uh, Centurion um, from uh, uh, 
from Balance of Terror and a couple others. But I mean, just enough that it's yeah. not too much. I think I have a Mugatu also. You know, you got to have a Mugatu. Yeah, that's a, that's a must. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind getting a uh, like a life size Gorn though. <laughs> that would be something. That would be pretty cool. I don't know where it would fit, though. And then I have a couple of other things, too. You know, I have some Green Lantern crap, and I've got a... I even have one... I have some Futurama crap. I've got a giant bender, like his head. And uh, I do have a little bit of Star Wars stuff. I'm not going to lie. I have a yak face. That's my only Star Wars uh, goo-gaw, is I have a yak face. And I'm thinking of getting a Watto. I've really gotten into Watto lately. I know we're talking Star Wars and the Star Trek podcast, but the truth of the matter is that Watto is very entertaining. So, yeah. that's what you got. Um, cool. So, uh, listen, uh, as as a as a hardcore fan who who has all this material in your home, what are you hoping? Just from a collector's point of view, what are you hoping to get out of the new show? Forget the content of the show and, and everything else. Are you hoping for? Uh, you know, new weapons, new technology, uh, a fun a fun character like a Keenzer or a BB-8 or somebody that's going to be a, a Lil Pal? What are you expecting out of the new show? Yeah, I, you know, I haven't studied the new show much. I actually do have that service, so I, I'm obviously going to watch it when, it when it comes on. I, I just hope they, you know, continue the tradition that, uh, you know, Ira and Brannon and, you know, Ronald Moore have done. You know, just make quality television that, you know, can, can, can intrigue us. I, I, first, I, I got to go back a moment. You actually get CBS All Access. I, I do. You're the first person. Red, red, red alert. Hold on. You're the one that's going to keep us all employed. What? Uh, what? When did you sign up for? Have you had it for a while? Or uh, yeah, I had it. I've had it for a while since it. Since uh, you know, it, it almost when it came out. I, I don't. I don't mind. You know, I, I figured in in the heyday when you were buying DVDs. You know, I would go out and spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month just on DVDs, buying movies and buying this and that. Between Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, and that CBS, yeah, basically just paying them to hold your content for you. It's great. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's like certain. The, the way that they're right now putting so much money into their original material, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu have got some just great, great shows. And, you know, I, I don't mind paying that extra money. to. So what's the number one thing before before uh, the new show starts? What's the number one thing that CBS All Access is good for? If you were going to try to convince somebody to get it, is it just the easy access to all Star Trek? Uh, easy access to that. That, that is a plus. Uh, you know, I, I like the show The Good Wife. They just tried. They put a new uh, Good Wife spinoff on that was only on uh, the, the All Access. That was really, really good. So I mean, it's you know, I I, I just yeah, I, I just like having all aspects of all the content. Nice. I, all right. So it's all, it's all out there. Yeah. I just got a Filmstruck is one that I just got, which is ha, used to have a lot of the stuff that was on Hulu jumped over to Filmstruck, and that one's not that expensive. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping CBS gives it a chance. You know, I, a lot of these a lot of these companies pull the plug, I think, too quickly, and you know, they don't they take they don't think about the long term gains versus short term. And that you have to build some, some fans into what you're doing. So hopefully they'll give it a chance and uh, let people gravitate to it. I'm assuming with the Netflix, and I heard Ira mention this before, that you know Deep Space Nine has gotten a bigger following just because people love binge watching it. Right. Netflix. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that um, I think they are giving. I hope I hope that they're giving it a chance, and I think that they are because. You know, they've got this multi-zillion dollar franchise, Star Trek, and they're kind of going all in 
like they're using that as their on-ramp for this new yeah. service. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better. There's no better way to launch a service than with with an, a, a brand that everybody in the world knows, Star Trek. So yeah. seems like if it's going to work, it's going to work with that. So we'll know in a year or so. We'll we'll think back to this conversation a year from now, and we'll see what the story is, and if more people are is signing up. If if uh, if not. I don't know what they're going to do because they're going to keep making Star Trek, I think. That's my guess. Um, cool. Well, listen. Hey, Patrick, thanks so much for taking the time to yap with us today. Um, I appreciate it. I love getting a window into what our fans are up to. I, I love vis- envisioning you having this conversation, sitting in the doctor's chair, surrounded by memorabilia, with Kate Hudson's blouse maybe on a, a dress form there, and uh, who knows what else. What other groovy things are you looking at right now in your, in your home? got a let's uh, see i got a life-size chewbacca i've got uh i've got uh jack nicholson painting that was painted by ron wood of the rolling stones wow i have uh you know a lot of kill bill stuff i have vivica fox's script that she's actually from indiana that actually actually her shooting script from kill bill oh uh, just a lot of different things. A lot of cool stuff. All right, great. Well, maybe one day we'll take a t- tour of your place instead of James Colley's uh, up in, in Ticonderoga. Always and, and thanks for keeping this podcast alive and keeping Star Trek alive because I think it's important. And uh, you guys do good work over there. I really appreciate it. That's so nice to hear. And, yeah, we're going to keep trucking along, and we can't wait for the new show, which will be coming uh, eventually. We're not exactly sure when, but sometime soon. And I can't wait for the documentaries. Yeah, I would imagine uh, early next year. I don't know for sure. That's a question more for for Adam and Ira and, uh, and Zapone and those guys. But uh, my guess is early next year. Yeah, looking forward. To All right, man. Thanks again, and, and, and we'll talk to you soon. I hope so. Take care now. So long. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.